Thank you for being here. Thank you for all of our visitors. If you're here and this is your first time with us, we welcome you. We thank you. You could be a million other places this morning, and we don't take it for granted that you choose to join us and worship with us on Sunday morning. Before you leave, if this is your first time here, we'd like for you to stop by on the second floor out here by the guest services table. We have a free gift that we'd like to share with you this morning. Those of you that are interested in getting plugged in and doing some uh, activities, we got some new ministries. We're constantly trying to reinvent things and do things better and do things more uh, actively engaged, especially with the community. So we've got some uh, new ministries that are starting, and if you uh, are interested in becoming part of these ministries, we've got a creative team. Uh, they're going to meet here uh, uh, with a regular schedule, and they're going to be doing things like painting and building props because we have some special services coming up. Uh, where we're going to be decorating the church and doing some things. Uh, we have a live nativity that's going to be going on this Christmas season outside, and we're going to be building a lot of things. So uh, if you like to do those kind of things and put your hand to the plow in those areas, uh, if you would like to be part of the prayer team, our prayer team is expanding. Also, if you've got prayer requests, we've got a special way for you to scan the QR codes that you find everywhere. They're on the back of the seats. They're out in the hallways. Uh, if, if you've got prayer requests, that are public, you can go to our app and put them on the prayer wall. If you'd like to keep them a little more private with just the prayer team here at the church, go in, uh, to the QR code, scan it in, and the, the prayer team is going to be uh, helping you pray. Uh, this month's is, uh, emphasis is mental health and, and suicide prevention, uh, so they're praying specifically for those kind of things. So uh, keep that in mind. Those QR codes are everywhere. They're there for you to get plugged in. You can't always find everybody. You can't always get a hold of the pastor after church or the first lady or, or even one of the ministry leaders, but you can reach us through those QR codes. We're doing our very best to be accessible to everybody, so use those QR codes and plug in. Also, our van ministry is going to be starting up very short order. We're going to begin that ministry by doing the downtown area. We're going to try to go to the senior uh, citizens and, and pick up people that can't drive and get here themselves. So if you're interested in, in being a helper or being a driver, uh, also uh, sign up for that ministry as well. There's going to be a men's breakfast here at the church. If you're one of the people that just come in and you come in the same door every time and you leave through the same door every time, you may not know, but downstairs we have a big large kitchen and fellowship hall area. Uh, we're going to be having a men's breakfast there on October the 2nd. doesn't say what time. I guess you just guess at what time breakfast would be and show up and, and follow the smell of bacon. That's what I would recommend to you. But all the men are welcome for that, so uh, men are going to be having a, a, a breakfast. We're just going to hang out and eat together. October 3rd is the pastoral family anniversary celebration. Uh, we're here 20 years in October, and uh, we're going to have Pastor Scotty Dingus from the West Logan Church of God. come. He's a good friend of mine. We're on state council together, and he's going to come and preach uh, that morning to us. He pastors one of the largest Church of Gods in the state of West Virginia, and he's not just a, a good friend of mine, but he's a great minister, so don't miss that service. And I'm going to ask the ushers, if they would, to come and uh, get prepared to wait on you, and I'll bless the offering this morning. If you're a guest here, don't feel any pressure to give in the offering. We, this is for the people who call Promise of Victory home. This is for the people that uh, pay their tithes here and give their offerings here and are plugged in here. Don't feel any pressure. We're not putting any pressure on it. We have many ways to give. You can give online and get through the app. Uh, you can uh, give here in person. You can give in the giving boxes in the back. But this is for the people that sow into this uh, seed, uh, their seed into this soil because this is their home church. So uh, this is the time that we take in the service to give back to God and bless his kingdom. So 
Won't you join me this morning as I pray? Father God, we are humbled today to be able to give into your kingdom, to bless you, to be a blessing to you, and to be a blessing to your uh, service and ministry that you have given to us. We pray today that every person that, that gives into this uh, ministry would uh, be blessed sevenfold, God, that blessings would overtake them. And that the enemy of their soul would never find a foothold in their life or the life of their family, God. Because when we bless you, you bless us in abundance. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, the church together says, Amen. God bless you as you give this morning. Good morning, Promise of Victory. We are so excited you are joining us today. Whether you're here in person or joining us online, we are happy to be sharing this time with you. We will love nothing more than to stay connected with you. We are always stronger together. We have Facebook, YouTube, and an app. If you don't have our app, take a quick second after church and download it. We have a link to the app on our website at povcog.com. You can also open your camera and scan our QR code in the hallway for a direct link as well. We have something for everyone here on Sundays. We have our Victory Tots in the nursery for our toddlers, Explosion Kids for our children, grades kindergarten through fourth, we have Aftershock student for grades five and up, which are dismissed after worship is over. And we have our mother's lounge. If you want further information about what we offer or you need directions, just find any of our ushers and they'd be happy to help. We have two kiosk stations. One is for our Victory Tots and one is for Explosion Kids. We are asking that parents and guardians physically sign the children in with a member of the team before service and then physically sign them out after service as well. If you look at the back of the chair in front of you, you'll notice a QR code. All you have to do is open the camera on your phone, point it at the QR code, then click the link that appears at the top of your screen. If you are new, we would love it if you scanned this code and answered a few questions so we can better serve you. This is also for anyone who hasn't been added to our church registry. And lastly, this is for those who would like to be involved here at Promise of Victory because saved people serve people. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that today God pours life, love, and peace into you and your family. If you come once or a thousand times, you are family. Whether in person or online, thank you for joining us in worship at Promise of Victory Church of God. Come on, let's connect the dots. Amen. Amen. I'm going to have a little bit of energy this morning because I'm going to be speaking to a subject that is relevant to my life. So if this doesn't hit you, doesn't minister to you, doesn't bless you, doesn't affect you, uh, go ahead and check out and play on your phone or something. But I'm going to preach myself happy this morning because I am uh, I'm excited about this subject. Reason I'm excited about this subject is I've been doing this, as you've already heard this morning. Uh, this is my getting ready to be our 20th year here. This is my second church that I pastored. My first church was in McDowell County, and I've been in ministry for almost 25 years. And one thing has remained steady throughout the course of my ministry, and that is that people mess themselves up a lot. My daughter is getting her Ph.D., and she's going to be, uh, she works with autistic people and, and 
in, in those kind of uh, uh, environments, and she's had a few different jobs, and she's, she lives in Florida, and, and, and I was talking to her on the phone the other day, and she was talking about how people uh, are, are all these mental instabilities, and I've been reading some studies about what this past season with COVID has done to people's mental states, and, and how depression has been ran, running rampant, and counseling is becoming more and more and more prevalent in people's lives, and I told her on the phone, I said, well, one thing about it, honey, what you do and what I do, we're going to be doing until the end of time. Because people mess their lives up so much, and it's not a trick of the devil. It's not always because of your environment. It's mainly because of what we're going to talk about this morning. We get ourselves into a situation where we can come out, but we refuse to. I'm going to say that again. Where we can come out. Matter of fact, I'm going to say it like this. We are called to come out. We are blessed to come out. We are prospered to come out, but we refuse to come out. So I'm going to be preaching to some folks this morning that have not yet come out, but I pray that you were brought here by the Holy Ghost so that today is your day to come out. Come all the way out. So today is week three of our series of messages that we are going to explore the entire Bible. We, went, we began in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning God, and we're going to end up in the book of Revelation. Eight weeks is a daunting task, but we're going to get there with the help of the Lord. We're going to do it in a very short amount of time, but we are going to explore the entirety of the Bible, and we're calling it Connect the Dots. And the reason that we're calling it that is because each week we're going to try to draw a line from story to story to story and make the entire Bible connect. So that if you had to tell someone who had never read the Bible what the story of the Bible is about, you would be able to give it to them in short order. We're not going to get caught up in the details and the minutiae and tell all the stories, obviously. We're going to stick with the main themes. The first week, we talked about how God made a plan, and then he made a man to work his plan. You remember that? God had a plan, and he created man to work that plan. But man chose sin instead of God's best. And we learned week one that sin doesn't keep its promises. It promises us what we want and what we desire, but it makes us lose what we need. Last week, Pastor Ryan taught us that God made a promise to a man named Abraham and his promise was going to undo what Adam and Eve did. That promise is going to redeem the world. In other words, God still has a plan. Can I just stop right here and encourage somebody that you haven't messed up so bad that God's plan is messed up for your life? Can I just speak into somebody this morning and tell you, I know you think you messed it up. I know you think that you do, you're not good enough because of the mistakes that you've made. But just because you messed up and did not follow through doesn't mean that God's done with the plan that he put into your life. Adam and Eve did not follow through with God's plan, but God still had a plan. And he spoke it to a man named Abraham and said, I'm going to make your seed greater than the stars in the sky and the sand on the beach. And this morning, we're going to explore maybe the most popular book in all the Bible. We're going to look at the book of Exodus. Exodus may be the most well-known story, especially of the Old Testament, because nearly everybody has heard about the Ten Commandments, 
And most everybody has heard about a man named Moses. Now, while we're going to be telling the story of Exodus, we're not going to be reading out of Exodus. Because we're going to cover a lot of territory this morning in the story of Israel. We're going to start in Exodus, but we're going to go through Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and Leviticus. And we're going to tell the story that we find there up to the book of Joshua, which we'll get to next week. Let me begin this morning by giving you the first point. The Exodus teaches us that when we frustrate God, we end up frustrated ourselves. Go ahead and pick your own way if you want to. But frustrating God is going to bring frustration into your world. When we frustrate the plan of God for our lives, we end up walking in circles. The promise was made to Abraham. And for 400 years, Abraham's family... Remember, Abraham had no children. Pastor Ryan did a phenomenal job last week of breaking down that story of Abraham and Sarah and how when Abraham staggered into the wrong tent, it made a mess not only for that generation, but we're still fighting today because Abraham staggered into the wrong tent. I, I want you to understand that Abraham had no children, but now 400 years later, his family has grown to almost 2 million people. Because Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named uh, Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons that we get, are now uh, known as the 12 tribes of Israel, right? One of those sons was named Joseph. Joseph ends up in Egypt. He ends up second in command. He is the right-hand man of Pharaoh in Egypt. And he moves his entire family, his father, his brothers, and all their relatives. He eventually moves them all down to Egypt. But the Bible opens in the book of Exodus saying that a new Pharaoh came to power who did not remember Joseph, did not respect the God that Joseph served, and he turned all the Israelites into slaves. God raises up a man named Moses. 420 years after they became slaves, God says, it's time for me to set my people free. So he speaks to Moses out of a burning bush, and he starts directing them to freedom. The land that he promised to Abraham, he, starts, he, he, he causes Moses to lead his people toward that promised land. Now Moses was born an Israelite. But he was raised in the house of Pharaoh. God calls him from the burning bush and he orchestrates ten plagues to get his people out of Egypt. Now here we pick up the story at the Red Sea and this is where God's people first started frustrating God. Let me, let me just drill something home to you this morning. Intimidation is never from God. They are so intimidated by the impassibility of the Red Sea and the impending doom of their enemy, they get so scared that they forget, number one, who's in charge. They forget, number two, of what he's already done for them. And that's the same thing you do. When you get scared, when you feel intimidated, you forget, number one, who's in charge. And number two, you forget that you wouldn't be where you are had it not been for the Lord that was on your side. When they end up at the Red Sea, they immediately want to go back 
to where God had already brought them out of. In other words, they want to go back to slavery. Let me give you this point. I wrote this down a few weeks ago. It is amazing how dependent we can become to something that is making us its slave. It is amazing how dependent you and I can be to something that is making a slave out of us. So let me begin in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and show you the fruit of frustrating God. I challenged you a couple weeks ago to bring your physical Bible uh, to church, and I know that some of you have been doing that. The fruit of frustrating God. So I'll give you a second to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 1. If you found Exodus already, hang a right. If you're in the New Testament, I ain't got time to wait on you. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1. Normally, it takes only 11 days. Somebody say 11 days. 11 days to travel from Mount uh, Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, the promised land, going by way of Mount Seir. But 40... Now listen, if you get lost... And you turn 11 days into 40 days, that's a long detour. But the Bible says 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt on the first day of the 11th month, Moses addressed the people of Israel, telling them everything the Lord had commanded him to say. They turned an 11-day trip into a 40-year detour. Now, I'm curious this morning because we get hard on them. We talk down to them. But I'm curious if there's anybody here who feels like some things that's happened in your life has been taking a lot longer than you thought they should. I mean, is there any folks in here that feels like you were supposed to have been there after 11 days, but 40 years later you're still walking around the same mountain? Am I by myself? Is it just me and the Israelites this morning? Because I'm going to be honest with you, there are some things in my life that I just feel like sometimes I am walking in circles. I'm working hard, I'm staying busy, but I don't seem to be going anywhere. Does anybody know? I used to laugh at people who watch NASCAR. uh, Not not at the people that watched it, but I just laughed at the premise of NASCAR because uh, NASCAR drivers drive 500 miles and they go out the same gate they came in. They, they, they have driven 500 miles, but they they still in the same spot that they was in. And that's the way I feel in my spirit life sometimes. I, I feel like that I have been spinning my wheels, and I'm working hard, and I'm shouting at heaven, and I'm praising God, and I'm praying real hard, and I'm giving God everything that I know to give Him. But at the end of the day, I haven't made it one foot farther than I thought I would make. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about this morning? And there's a lot of reasons for this. Some of you haven't moved on because you're not over a relationship yet. Some of you haven't moved on because the dream has taken so long that you've almost given up on the idea of it ever coming to pass. Maybe you've had the same position at work and you've watched other people get the promotion that you prayed for and you haven't moved on because some man or woman hasn't blessed you yet. Maybe there's an addiction. Maybe there's a bad habit. Maybe there's a personality defect that you've been trying to break. And every time you're thinking you've gotten over it, it comes back. Maybe you've had a a hard time fighting depression or anger. And it's taken you longer than you'd like to admit. And you get happy for a short while, but then you fall back into it. 
and you claim victory and you put a testimony on Facebook about how God has delivered you, but eventually you find yourself right back to where you used to be. Or maybe your marriage has been one of this because we're good and we're not so good and we're bad and we're a little better and we're good again and we're not so good. Does anybody know what this preacher's preaching about this morning? Oh, I'm good again. And every Valentine's Day, I'm good again. And then every anniversary, I'm good again. But in the meanwhile, I'm just walking around. Y'all ain't going to help me this morning. In the meanwhile, I'm just walking around the same mountain. I, I, I'm good for a little while, and then I fall back. Why is that? Because that's what happens when you walk around mountains. There's a good side, there's a bad side, and there's places all in between. And what the Bible is going to teach us in the book of Exodus is this. When everything around you won't change, God is using it to change you. See, some of you have been upset with God. You've been upset with yourself. You've been upset with your spouse. You've been upset with the boss, the career, the decisions that you've made. You've been upset with those things because you've been praying for those things to change. But what you don't realize is sometimes God don't intend for them to change. Because whatever won't change around you, God is using that thing to change you. So there's four things that postpone you getting out of the wilderness. Are you ready for this? Four things that I'm going to teach you this morning that postpone you coming out of the wilderness. If you want to quit this stupidity, I wish I could call it something more theological. I wish I had a Greek word for it. I wish I had some hermeneutical ideology that would teach you that and not be so. But sometimes I'm just stupid. And maybe I won't preach at you this morning. Maybe, maybe you don't feel that way. But sometimes I find myself on the wrong side of the mountain and I look back and say, boy, that was stupid. I, maybe, you're, maybe you don't ever beat yourself up like that. But see, when I was over here, I knew better. When I was over here and I was shouting and rejoicing and praising God for all the blessings he gave me, I knew I wasn't supposed to get back over on this side. I've been here before. I'm not a novice. I've been around this mountain a time or two. I know what it gets me when I'm over here. I know how I feel. I know how I want to give up. I know how bad I sink. I know how I isolate. I know how I don't give God praise. I end up over here not because of the preacher, not because of the church, not not because the Democrats or the Republicans. I got here myself. And I feel pretty dumb sometimes. I feel like, why did I let this thing happen to me again? So there's four things that will postpone you coming out of the wilderness. Number one, you won't come out until you're ready. Let me say it again. You won't come out until you're ready. My character has to be able to handle where I'm heading. You know why I only got three amens and one hand clap? Because everybody in here thinks you're ready. Every person in the body of Christ thinks we're better than we really are, stronger than we really are, more prepared than we really are. We think we're always ready for the promotion, for the upgrade. We always think that we can handle a stronger devil, that we can, that we can take on more than we can bear. I mean, we really believe in our heart that I'm the blessed and favored of God. I'm ready for better and bigger and promotion. But I've discovered that I don't know who I am until I have to know who I am. I'm going to say it again, and it'll probably be on the screen. I don't know who I am 
until I have to know who I am. It is easy for me to tell you how to handle your marriage. But I don't know who I am until it happens to me. It's easy for me to tell you how to raise your children. But I don't know who I am until I have to know who I am because there's been moments in my ministry and in my Christian walk where if I didn't find out who I was, my identity in Christ, I wouldn't have made it this far. I had to get my back against the wall. I had to learn how to depend on the Holy Ghost. I had to learn how to pray. I had to learn how to fight. I had to learn what the shield of faith was for and the sword of the Spirit. I had to learn how to gird my feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Had it not been for God who rescued me, I would have not survived the battle that I have come through already I had to find out in the battle who I was oh I can be braggadocious as long as I ain't got to prove it I can, I can tell you what's wrong in your house I can tell you what's wrong with your prayer life as long as I ain't got to prove it by mine but I don't know who I am until I have to know who I am you're living in a land of make believe until you have to know who you are Children will make you prove who you are as a parent. Not my children, your children. Somebody else's job won't prove who you are as an employee. Well, I'll tell you what you do. You just have to go in there and do it like this and do it like that. You don't know. You ain't there. You're not serving in that capacity. So, so when God told Moses to stretch out his staff so the Red Sea could part, and nearly two million Israelites crossed on dry ground, you would think their response, you would think they would grab out them tambourines. Whoop! Go, Jesus! Go, Jesus! It's your birthday. I mean, you would think they would start breakdancing, doing the worm all the way across the Red Sea. You would think that the devil couldn't send a storm hard enough to get them to come down off of cloud nine. But they responded the same way a lot of us respond. They complained. They grumbled. Uh-huh. Matter of fact, the entire book of Exodus is one story after another of how God shows up and the people celebrate for a minute and then... People start living in fear and doubt and intimidation. That goes to show you that you getting your miracle is no guarantee that you will serve Him better or be greater committed to Him. They're hungry. They complain. They're thirsty. So they're complaining. They're afraid. They're tired. So they complain. They don't like what's for lunch because there's no onions. So they complained. They were physically stuck circling because they were spiritually stuck complaining. This is the best thing some of you is going to write down all day. They were spiritually stuck complaining, which caused them to physically be stuck circling. And by the way, I'm going to preach right where you're at. This had nothing to do with their conditions. You've got to quit blaming the spouse, the boss, the preacher, the co-worker, the neighbor across the way, 
Mama, daddy, brother, sister, uncle, auntie, you've got to quit blaming other folks for you complaining. Because this had nothing to do with their tough living conditions. Instead of it being about their conditions, it was actually a character flaw. They grumbled to God in the beginning of Exodus. They complained to God that they were slaves, and God said, I've heard their cries. So they sent Moses. And you know what they did? They complained. Moses wanted them to leave, and they said, we can't leave. You just ask God to bring you out. He sends Moses. Moses said, let's go. And they said, we can't do that. What are, you, what are you praying for if you don't even believe the miracle when it shows up? Moses shows up because of their complaining. Says he'll deliver them and they start complaining. God hears their cries, sends their deliverance. Then they complain because the Red Sea's in front of them. Then they complain because Mara's water is bitter. Then they complain because they don't have any onions and garlic. See, their complaining was rooted in their character, not in their conditions. This is not a house problem. This is a heart problem. Stop blaming it on who you live with. Stop blaming it on who you work for. Stop blaming it on who you married to. Stop blaming it on who you had as children. Stop blaming it on how bad mama was. You have got a heart issue because the Bible is very clear that what goes on around us does not have to affect what goes on inside of us. Uh, my amen is going to get smaller and smaller as I go along because God isn't trying to give us more until we learn to appreciate what we've already been blessed with. A heart of unthankfulness is not rooted in how much you got in the bank. A heart of thankfulness is not dependent on what kind of house you live in or your career choice. This is a heart issue. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2. Remember, say remember. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you, and check this out, testing you, to prove your character. We don't like this at all. I told you my, my amens was about to die down. Oh, we don't like this at all. That's why I put it on the screen. I want you to see it. I ain't making this up. This is the, the, Lord, the word of the Lord. God says, I'm going to test you to prove your character. I'm going to humble you so I can test you because you don't know who you are until you have to know who you are. And why does he do it? To find out whether you will obey his commands. Because too many of us say we'll do stuff that we ain't really willing to do. Uh-huh. Oh, you don't believe me? Hey, God, I want that promotion. The boss is retiring, and I want their position. God says, okay, but could you, uh, could you show up for your current job on time? And by the way, could you check your attitude while you're there and quit grumbling and complaining about all the decisions folk make? I'm just saying. Lord, I want a new house. 
Uh, okay, but could you start cleaning that rental? Because you got corn growing up from behind the couch. So before I give you something else to take care of, could you start being thankful for what I already blessed you with? Hey, Lord, I really want Christian friends in my life. Great. They got like eight uh, small groups at Promise of Victory. Have you joined any of them? Because you'd be surrounded by folks. Have you done anything to make yourself friendly or are you just complaining that a friend hasn't dropped into your lap? I told you it's going to get quiet in here. Here's what the Lord does in the wilderness. He tests you in the wilderness. And why does he do it? Because he tests you in the wilderness to find out if you still want him when he doesn't give you everything you want. He wants to know if you love the blesser more than you love the blessing. Character is developed through frustration, not relaxation. Number two, what will postpone me from getting out of the wilderness? The second thing is I'm making bad choices. Why is God going to give you a microphone to lead people and you make terrible choices? Were you going to hurt not only you but other folks too? Moses goes up on the mountain, spends 40 days talking to God, getting the Ten Commandments. The folks down below, the church, decides, Pastor, been gone too long. They go to the associate pastor and says, Aaron, make us a God we can see and we can worship because Moses has been up there so long. We need to know what God wants to say. I'll come back to that. Put a pin in that statement. We need to know what God wants to say. I I'll come back to that in a moment. Now, we don't build idols out of gold anymore. But we still like to take things into our own hands when we don't get what we want when we want it. That's what Abraham and Sarah did last week. They decided God was taking too long, so they took matters into their own hands. So somebody says, well, I prayed that God would give me a raise, so I took the job, even though the job means I'll miss church every Sunday. Mm, if you, I, I just need somebody to talk to because my, my, my wife don't treat me right. Well, that woman at work who is single and got the hots for you, she ain't the one to talk to. She ain't the one to be uh, fellowshipping with about your wife at the house. Because if you entertain inappropriate conversations with people that are not your spouse, your marriage will never get better. If you keep getting more credit cards, you will never fix your debt problem. So... so, so we may not build idols out of gold anymore, but we still take matters into our own hands and think we're smarter than God. Number three, I refuse to confront what I must change. Numbers chapter 13, we've, we heard the story a few weeks ago, the 12 spies, right? The only thing that they had to do was possess their blessing. This amazes me. The only thing they had to do. Why? Because God had already told them it was theirs. God had already told them, I'm going to give you this land. All they had to do was possess their blessing. But they refused to confront what was wrong inside of them. They lacked courage. They lacked the courage it takes to change. Oh, it's quiet in here. Y'all think I'm going to start talking about diets and such. Listen, you don't understand because I haven't taught you this before because I, I just had this revelation while I was preparing this message. 
Do you realize that the Israelites, even though they said they saw giants there, they did not have to worry about how it was going to come out? Because God had already promised them the land. All they had to do was follow through. All they had to do was confront not the enemy, not the giants, not the land. They had to confront what was wrong on the inside of them. And because they refused to confront what had to change, they lost out on the blessing. I wish I had a witness in this church. Because it's not the enemy that you are fighting. It's the enemy, enemy, that is causing you your difficulties. Uh, Numbers chapter 13 and verse 31. But the other men who had explored the land with them, disagreed, said, we can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. Now, most of us know that we need to admit to ourselves that what we really struggle with is not God being able, and it's not even the devil causing our difficulties. We need to admit that our weaknesses are we lack the courage to change something that has been a part of us most of our lives. Look at what verse 33 says. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And then look at this statement. Look at this statement. Look at this statement. And that's what they thought too. Number one, it's ridiculous that they think they know what is going on in somebody else's brain. I've raised three kids. I don't know what they're thinking ever been married to the same woman 28 years ain't got a clue what's on her head and for them to think that they can understand what these giants thought but can I tell you there's a deeper meaning here and I've never seen it before this is the first time I've ever preached this one of the reasons that we don't do what we need to do is because we care too much about what somebody else thinks look what they said they, they said and that's what they thought about us too so we come to church and we say, I can't admit that I've been an addict. What would they think? I can't let anybody know I suffer from depression. What will they think? I can't forgive that person. They'll think I'm a doormat. We know what we have to do, but we refuse to confront what has to change. So instead of checking into rehab, we just keep walking around the same mountain. Y'all not going to help me now. Instead of getting marriage counseling, we just keep wandering. Instead of asking somebody to pray for us because we're in deep depression, we just keep wandering. Instead of taking our hands off of it and saying, God, you're going to have to save this wayward son or daughter. God, you're going to have to fix this problem at work. God, you're going to have to heal this cancer. Instead of taking our hands off of it and saying, God, you are able, we have to just keep wandering around. And we have our pity party every day. And we have our depression every day. And we have our psychosis every day. And we're just walking around this, the same mountain going nowhere. Number four. What will keep you from coming out of the, and getting into the promised land? I have selective hearing. I thought I might get an amen from this section right here. It's precisely the front row. I have selective hearing. I hear what I want to hear. Deuteronomy chapter 5. One of the saddest passages that I've ever read in the Bible. Beginning with verse 24. Israel is talking to Moses. Moses has been on the mountain coming down and God speaks 
to Israel. Isn't that what we all want? Listen, before I read this, you know how many times in my ministry, Michelle, somebody has come to me and says, I just wish I knew what God wanted. I just wish the Lord would tell me. I just wish he would show me. You sure? You sure that's what you want? Because I'm about to show you in the Bible that sometimes when you get that, that ain't what you want after all. Look what verse 24 says. And they said, look, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and greatness, and we have heard his voice from the heart of the fire. Today we have seen that God can speak to us as humans, and yet we live. Don't that sound like a good church service? God showed the glory. He showed the fire, the intensity, the lightning, the thunder. He spoke. Verse 25, but now, why should we risk death again? If the Lord our God speaks to us again, we will certainly die and be consumed by this awesome fire. Can any living thing hear the voice of the living God from the heart of the fire? And as we did and yet survived, go yourself and listen to what the Lord our God says. Then come and tell us everything he tells you. And we will listen and obey. Here's what they said. I got selective hearing. But when God talks to me, it is so penetrating. It is so disturbing that I can't ignore him. So we don't want to hear him anymore. Moses, you go talk to God. And then you come and tell us what he said. Because I can't ignore him. But I got no problem ignoring the preacher. I got no problem shutting you off, Moses, because I can filter truth through your mouth. I can accept what I want to accept, and I can let lay what disturbs me and messes with me. When God speaks himself, it rattles my cage. It messes with my mind. It causes me to straighten up and say, yes, sir, yes, sir. But if you come and tell me, I can take it a little easier. Selective hearing. So we get saved, and we have to start understanding that we are no longer who we used to be. We get brought out of Egypt's bondage by the blood. We pass from death to life. We've been saved, set free, and delivered. And then begins this long process of regeneration. Now, we like to think that we get saved and we don't like the stuff we used to like. We don't think the way we used to think. And it all just comes automatically. We made a, we made a trip up to the altar and God just took all of our want-tos out of us. Israel had only ever eaten Egyptian food. They had only ever worshipped Egyptian gods. So when they got free... They still had a taste for what Egypt had. Oh, oh, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Just this side over here. 
It's just me and them. I heard some amens over here. See, this bunch over here only loves Jesus. So let me talk to the rest of y'all real Christians over here. That, 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 see, there are some things that once I got saved, I got delivered from, but I never snatched my deliverance. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? See, the blood of Jesus is capable. I'm going to say it again. The blood of Jesus is capable, which means he has authority over all. The dead things that was in me, the harmful things that was in me, the sinful things that was in me, the blood of Jesus snatched that stuff and gave me authority over it. However, just because I am given a gift doesn't mean I accept it, open it, receive it, and utilize it. So God gave me victory over my past life. But why after all these years do I look around sometime and the old me is still with me? Nobody knows, what, nobody knows how that feels. All y'all got saved and got perfect. I'm talking about all these years after I have been set free I still ain't free. I'm still wandering around the same map and the same old me is following. He ain't as close as he used to be, but he back there somewhere. And every single time I think I have gotten victory, every single time I praise God that he has delivered me, every single time I start standing up and testifying on Facebook about how good God is, somebody will pull out in front of me at Walmart and the old me will jump in the car beside him. Y'all not going to help me. I'll be driving and be singing Hillsong. And uh, let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way. And somebody will go, and old me will jump in the driver's seat and say, what? What are you doing, you idiot? Where did you learn to drop? And the music's still playing. He makes a way. And I'm over here going, you are so stupid. I you have to be from Ohio. Where did you learn to drive like that? Did you get your driver's license out of a Cracker Jack box? You've got the spirit of slow pokedness. Why don't you get on down the road? Rum, rum, rum. I'm on the bumper and I'm revving my rum, 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 rum. And I got them big old tires and I feel like if I put this thing in four wheel drive, I think I could just go right over top of them. And the old me just jumped right in the truck with me. He will drive the F-150 as good as I do. The old me, I think I'm over it. I think I'm, I'm, I think I've been delivered. I think I've been set free. And he's closer than I like to it. So that keeps me in the wilderness because my body came out, but my mind hasn't yet. Change is a process. You love Jesus, but Paul says you are being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you say you're saved, but what's saved on you? It ain't your body. When you wake up in the morning and you sound like a bowl of Rice Krispies getting out the bed, snap, crackle, pop, that body of yours ain't redeemed. Does anybody else do this walk of shame out of the bed in the morning? Because I've been finding myself, I used to get up and walk like this, but anymore I find myself walking hunched over and I'm like four feet away from the bed going, why am I over, bent over? Because most of me has woke up, but my spine hasn't totally. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? And I got to physically go, oh, yeah, okay, there we go. Now we're. My body.
body's not saved, neither is your mind. Your spirit got saved, but you have to renew your mind. And, and, and I'm still growing. I'm still developing. And just when I think I'm over it, something will show up and say, See? You ain't as far along as you think you are. What is amazing concerning this story is how much we learn about human nature. How you can come out physically and spiritually, but not come out mentally. Let me give it to you like this. It's easier to move your geographical location than it is to recondition your thinking. So people switch majors. They leave one house and go to another house. They quit one job, take another job. They leave one spouse, pick up another spouse. Why? Because they are trying to fix things by changing their geography. Because they're not willing to recondition what's between their ears. Israel's position changed. They used to be in Egypt and now they're not. They used to be slaves, but now they're free. But it doesn't help you to be set free if you still act and think like a slave. So when your position changes, I'm, I'm, I'm going to quit. I'll, I'll quit. I, I won't get all the way through this sermon. But I, I, let, stay with me just a few more minutes. When the position you are in changes, but you refuse to change, you don't know what to do with your new position. He puts you in a new position, but you don't know how to handle it because you didn't change. You're still the same old you in a brand new place. So God is bringing you to a new experience that should be exciting and it should be fulfilling, but you are still stuck in an old place and can't enjoy your new blessing. And this is a problem in life for all of us. How do I handle my life right now? When you're when Israel and Charity have their first baby... And they're, they're worried about, how am I going to handle 3 a.m. feedings? How am I going to handle being dog-tired and having to change diapers when I don't know how the front is different from the back? How are we going to handle it the first time he gets a cold this winter? How are we going to handle it when he starts teething and he's crying incessantly and nothing will appease him? How are we going to handle that? And you think that's the worst it gets. And then they start walking. And they're into everything. And you're like, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to handle And then they start talking. And you realize that the sass that is in you somehow gets replicated in through DNA. And the stuff that you put your mother through and the stuff that you told your daddy starts coming out of their mouth. And you're like, this is as bad as it's ever going to get. And then they turn 12. And you're like, I wish there was an island to send all 12-year-olds to. And the ones that survive can come back. Because when they turn 12 years old, especially little girls, nothing against little girls, the boys are almost as bad, but the girls are worse. Especially little girls, when they hit 12, they, come, they become creatures from another planet. They are happy, sad, depressed, and joyful all at the same time. Humans aren't built that way. I short circuit in my brain. You're laughing and you're crying. How is that a thing? 
It's the best day of your life, and your life is falling apart. How? And when you got a middle schooler, you're like, this is as bad as it'll be. And then they start driving. And you're like, how do I handle this? Because there's no bumpers left on the car. Three of the fenders are crashed. Every time they leave the house, I have to call AAA for a tow back to the house. I'm worried about them and, God forbid, anybody that gets in their way. And they're going to proms. And they're going to homecomings. And they got to get their hair did. And they got to get dresses. And they... And this is as bad as it gets. God, what was you thinking giving me these children? I don't know how to handle this. And then they grow up. And you're like, we're done. Praise you, Jesus. We made it through. Hallelujah. And then you're still looking over your shoulder going, I wonder if they're okay. I wonder if they got food. I wonder if their, their bills are doing all right. I, I wonder if they made it to work on time. I, I worry about who they're going to marry, and I worry if they're going to have children, and I wonder if they're healthy, and I wonder if they're following up with their doctor's appointments, and I worry, and I wonder, and I question, and, I, and you're like, God, this is as bad as it gets. And every time you end up in a new position, you're always like, I don't know how to handle this. And when you don't know how to handle it, if you don't learn to appreciate the newness of where you are because you're always lamenting where you've left, You'll miss the blessing of the right now. Change does not come easy. We want to come to church, have the bishop smack us on the head with some oil, run the aisles, and everything is changed. No, we no longer crave the leeks and the garlic of Egypt. But right in the presence of God, they broke all ten commandments and built a golden calf. And we used to, in the old church, we used to say, well, bring them up to the altar and anoint them with oil. But you know what I've discovered after this many years? The anointed people can be as crazy as a bed bug. I mean, they can shout all over the church and be a terrible father. Pray in tongues, quote scripture, but can't cook canned corn. Dance in the aisles. Pray for people, have the glory of God fall, but they can't hold a job down. Be as hateful and as mean as a junkyard dog because change is hard. The other day, every time the seasons change, the older I get, the more stuff starts happening up here. Every time the seasons change, I start feeling it. You ain't got to tell me the season's about to change. The calendar don't have to tell me. My head starts telling me. And I was looking at some stuff in the aisle the other night. And it said, take on the front of the box, it says, this is used for sneezing, coughing, watery eyes, runny nose, coughing, itchy throat. You flip it over, and I was finding out how much you got to take and how, many, how often to take it. And then it says, side effects. And the side effects was like watery eyes, itching, coughing, runny nose, and an itchy throat. And at first I thought I was being pranked. I was looking for cameras, like one of them TV shows. Because I was like, it says on the front that this fixes these things. And it says on the back, it causes these things. 
I don't think I need this. Because if I don't have these things, this is going to give it to me. I'm taking this medicine to get rid of stuff that this medicine is going to give me. No, thank you. They put the craziest warning labels on that stuff. But I wish people came with them same warning labels. I wish when you met folks, they come up and shook your hand and says, Hello, Bishop. My name is John. My name is Sally. My, my name is Dan. My, my, my name, is, my, my name is, is, is Margaret. And I'm irresponsible. And I'm crazy. And you can't depend on me. And everything's going to be blamed on you. If you get close to me, I'll tell all your secrets. And I'll share nothing with you. I'm unreliable. I'm, I'm a critic. I love to tell people all your business and put you down as often. I wish they, kinda, I wish they had like a just a sign right on the front. Warning. I'm irresponsible. I can't be trusted with your secret. Stay away from me. Warning, warning, warning. You can't put change onto other people. You can only change yourself. Everybody has a Genesis. I can tell you had a Genesis because you're here. Genesis is beginning. But you need an Exodus. Exodus is coming out. And some of you have came out partway, but you've never came all the way. The Bible says when Israel came out, it's part of the story we all hardly ever preach. The Bible says when Israel came out of Egypt, they've been slaves for 420 years. They own nothing they were told when to go to bed they were told when to work they were told when they could eat and they were given provisions for eating they were slaves 420 years and now God has set them free and right before they left Egypt this this part of the craziness of God you know God don't make sense sometimes I'm gonna reword that you know God don't make sense most of the time and really the only time God makes sense to me is when he gives me exactly what I ask him for. And I'm like, well, that makes total sense. That's what I asked for. Asking you shall receive. But most of the time, God don't make any sense to me because he does stuff I would never do. I would never have you march around the city seven times on the seventh day and then yell at the mountain or yell at the walls. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have a harlot hide you on the rooftop and lie to people. There's a lie in that book. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have Moses stretch out his staff to cross on the dry ground and then collapse it on, Moses, uh, on Pharaoh. I, I wouldn't do things like God. God gets ready to let Israel out of Egypt, and he tells them to go ask the Egyptians for gold and jewelry and clothing and shoes. And the Bible says... They did it. They've been slaves, property, for 420 years. And the night that they are going to leave and escape, God gets supernaturally causes kindness to sweep through the land. And they give them jewelry, and they give them clothing, and they give them shoes, and they give them provision. And when they left Egypt, the Bible says they did not leave empty-handed. They left with abundance. I preached all morning to get to this point. They left 
where they had been. But they left with more than they went in with. So Isaiah says that the Lord will cause you to receive double for what has been holding you back. I'm going to say that again. Isaiah says that the Lord will cause you to receive double for everything that has been holding you back. So what does that mean? That means that everybody that has been telling you you shouldn't, everybody that's been telling you you couldn't, everybody that's been abusive to you, everybody that's been neglectful in your life, everybody that has criticized you, everybody that caused you to fall into sin, everybody that tempted you, everybody that held you back, you should not be sour at them. You should not be hateful toward them. You actually should be thankful for them because they just qualified you for an upgrade. They just qualified you to receive double for your trouble. They held you back. They hurt you. They abandoned you. They neglected you. You are not held back. The Lord shall cause you to receive double for everything that held you back. So every time somebody held you back, all they were doing was qualifying you for a double portion of God's best blessing for you. The Bible says they walked around the wilderness for 40 years and their shoes and their clothes that they took from Egypt never wore out. You know what else strikes me about that story? Never, never, I can't find it, did Israel approach another group of people and they called Israel, that's those former slaves. They would call them, those are the ones who God protects. You know what that tells me? That tells me that you will come out and you're not going to look like where you've been. You're going to come out and not resemble the hell that you went through. You're going to come out and you're going to look like blessing, not cursing. You're going to look above and not beneath. You're going to look like you were destined for this and not held back. The blessing that is on you is going to overtake the curse that had come on you. When you come out, ain't nobody going to know the hell that you came through. You're not an addict any longer. You're not depressed any longer. You're not damaged any longer. You're not traumatized any longer. People won't see you for who you were and where you've been because God's got something better for you and you won't look like who you used to be and you won't resemble the hell you've been through. They throw three teenage boys into a fire. It should have killed them. They should have been consumed by the flames. And instead, the Bible says they come marching out. Not only was there not a hair singed on their head, not only was their clothing not marked by the flames, but the Bible says they don't even have the scent of smoke on their clothes because God will bring you through the flames. He will drag you through the fire. You'll think it's going to kill you. You'll think that you can't make it, but when you get out on the other side, you ain't going to look like the hell that has been brought under your life. God is going to deliver you and bless you and elevate you. 
Every person in this room that needs healing, raise your hands. Every person in this room that needs deliverance, raise your hands. Every person in this room that needs God to do, perform a miracle, raise your hand. In the name of Jesus. Enough of this coming part of the way out. Enough of this coming to the doorstep, but refusing to change. The Holy Ghost is in this house. It's time to come all the way out. It's time for you to come all the way out. And you ain't even going to have the smell of smoke on your clothes. My God in heaven, you're not going to look like the hell that you've been through. When people look at you, they're not going to see addict wrote on you. When folks look at you, they're not going to see divorcee wrote on you. When folks look at you, they're not going to see sickness wrote on you. You're going to receive healing. You're going to receive wholeness. You're going to receive power from endowment on high. You're going to receive the Holy Ghost is going to fall on you and make you do things you didn't think you could do. You are called to raise those children. You are called to stay in that relationship. You are called to lead that ministry. And no devil in hell can stop you from doing it. Because you're not who you were when you were a slave. You're not who you were when you were in captivity. God has brought a new thing into your life. And it's time for you to receive it. In the name of Jesus. Healing and blessing and favor. I've come to the threshold long enough, God, I'm coming all the way out. I've come to the doorway and turned around and went back because I refused to change. I'm coming all the way out. Some of y'all have been held back because you're afraid I know or somebody else is going to know where you've been. Can I tell you, honey, it don't matter where you've been because you're not who you used to be. And when God brings you out, you're not going to look like who you were. Nobody's going to look at you and say, you're that ex-porn addict. Nobody's going to look at you and say, you're that, you're that ex-jailbird. Uh, They're going to look at you and say, you are the one that walks with God. You are the one with the favor of the Holy Ghost on your life. You are the one that God set free. You are the one that God delivered. Blessing and honor and favor. He's returning and restoring beauty for your ashes right now, right now under the sound of my voice he's given you beauty for ashes oil of gladness for your sorrow he's doing it right now you ever been held back or held up you're exactly where God wants you to be in the name of Jesus come all the way out 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 in the name of Jesus come all the way about to pay somebody back double you felt held back held up perplexed and distressed God's about to pay you back double he says you you wasn't held back for no reason all that hell you went through it didn't kill you for a reason because I was bringing you to this moment and this is the moment where I'm about to give you payback time double for your trouble 
feel the anointing just sprinkling all over people in this room. Somebody's walking out of this building differently than you walked into it this morning. For, a lot, for the longest time you've been walking with your head down, I'm telling you right now, get your chin up. You're a child of the King. You're not where you've been. You're not the decisions that you made. You are a child of the King. The blood of Jesus has redeemed you. It doesn't matter the choices that you made. Yes, you walked in sin for a season. Yes, you walked around that same mountain for longer than you like to admit. And yes, it was your fault. Yes, it was stupidity. Yes, it was foolish thinking. Yes, it was sinfulness. Yes, you fell into temptation. But that is not who you are. You are a child of the Most High God. And He has delivered you and set you free. And nobody's going to remember you for who you were. They're going to remember you for what He has created you to be. And you are the one that God protects. You are the one who God blesses. And in Jesus' name, receive that word this morning in your spirit. If you need to come all the way out, I encourage you to step out into the aisle and get up to this altar this morning. You tired of walking around that same mountain? Are you tired of... I've been here before. I've done this before. Here I go again. Trip, trip, trip. Trip, trip, trip. Now it's time to come all the way out. It's time to come all the way out. Prayer team, Stephen Ministers, have I got any? If I got any prayer team, Stephen Ministers, staff members, come and help these people pray.